what's happening, my man? Hey, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Take two of the big chat. It's, uh, it's nice of you. Oh, that's all right. That's completely okay. This is uh, into my weekend. I'm not do- really doing anything else right now. Hi, I'm Steve Joel. Thanks so much for tuning into episode 17 of my podcast series in which we meet the people who've changed the way we play, paint, and consume 40K. These are the Game Changers. 2005, uh, Baltimore, that was the first grand tournament I won. Wow. That must have been an amazing feeling. I mean, really, it's one of the things that will stick with you. I remember it like it was yesterday. This week, the voice of Warhammer 40,000 across so many different platforms. We'll hear how he got started and the amazing story of his entry into shoutcasting games. Hey, uh, you like to talk about Warhammer. And actually, I got to do it on at the launch of 8th edition from Warhammer World. So you're at, you're at the launch of 8th edition at Warhammer World, which is cool in itself. And completely by coincidence as well. <laughs> wow. Before we start, if you like the podcast, can I ask you to like us on Facebook, subscribe to the YouTube channel, or maybe leave us a review. And all of the interviews in the series are available at 40kgamechangers.com. Check out the website, listen to a few more stories. A shout-out to the Frontline Gaming Network who have supported the podcast since the beginning. Okay, on with the show. Let's meet the man behind the microphone. He's best known as the easy-to-listen-to voice on the Forge the Narrative podcast and as part of the team that's brought us live coverage of events like the LVO. He's also a former captain of teams that have won the Adepticon Team Champs and the American Team Champs twice. He was ranked the number one 40K player in the world for a period of time, and now he can add official Games Workshop tournament commentator to the CV, Paul Murphy. Thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, man. You're a little generous for that number one in the world, at least the United States with one of the ranking systems we used to kind of look at in the past. It's been a while, but thank you. Number one player in the States is still pretty, I mean, that's 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 an impressive achievement and uh, we can talk about that. I mean, I want to talk about, though, uh, first of all, before we get to anything else, your recent experience of commentating the, uh, the first tournament of the official Games Workshop tournament circuit in the US. That must have been uh, a fun experience. Yeah, the US Open Series, first one being in Orlando a few weeks ago, and that yeah. was absolutely awesome. It was... Uh, so cool to, to, you know, allowed to do that, be on air and, and also to see great games and to be working with a with an amazing team, both on air and behind the scenes. Uh, real fun. How did the gig come about? I know that Mike Brandt, Mike Brandt actually is the one that that recommended I do an episode of this series with you. Uh, he sent me a message saying, hey, I'm catching up for coffee with Paul Murphy. Uh, maybe you should do a show on him. And I said, well, Paul's obviously on the list. Uh, so is that the connection that got you the gig or is it the Games Workshop have uh, seen your many, many, many years of great work and just thought you're the man for the job? They, they've let me be on the stream before. Right. Uh, but but certainly, yeah, with uh, with Mike running the events, uh, he had some confidence uh, that maybe we could we could pull this off uh, and was instrumental in letting us get to do it. Yeah, nice. Well, we'll come back. We'll come back to it all. But let's let's go back to the beginning. You've been playing 40K for 
a long time. I want to say it probably in around 91, 92, 1991, 92. Yeah, yeah. What what edition was that? People go by editions. Yeah, so I think it was the end of first beginning into second edition. Wow. Warhammer 4K, yeah. Uh, So, you know, I had friends that were kind of into it. You know, obviously it was a much different game back then. Uh, But right when it started to kind of get into that actual tabletop strategy, you know, uh, miniature war game that we know today is when I got into it and started playing it and basically never looked back. I I started with Harlequins. I I didn't know really what direction I wanted to go, but I've always kind of liked the elf stuff uh, for, for games. And I went down to our local store and our local store was 20, 30 minutes away. It was actually, there's only, only one store that we knew about in, I live in a suburb of Atlanta. Yeah. The only store that we, we knew that had it or had a good chance of having what we wanted was in, in a mall in downtown Atlanta. I went down there asking for Eldar. They were out of Eldar. They said, we don't have Eldar, but we have these Harlequins. Right. And so, okay, well, I said, well, they look kind of the same. Yeah. You know, let me, let me get them. And that was the box that came in like the 20 or something Harlequins and loved it because you could get so much versatility out of that box and already was it was drawn into the narrative kind of thing and got to got to play some really cool figures for a period of time before jumping off to my now the army that i love the most yeah the blood angels which will again that's it yeah we'll come back to (laughs) you're famous for blood angels it's it might be a surprise to some actually that you got into this game via harlequins so in 91 92 into first edition getting into second what was the range of armies like? I mean, believe it or not, a lot of the same stuff. Uh, there were no Necrons at the time. There were no Tau at the time. Uh, there were Gene Stealer cults, but they were basically part of Tyranids. Uh, there was Astra Militarum, not not the same. Well, Guard, Imperial Guard, yeah. not quite the same now. It was Grey Knights. You had Space Marines, and this is when you started to get the flavors of Space Marines start to develop. Space Orcs. Uh, orcs just, I mean, the rules were radically different though but <laughs> yeah. the, the the you know the the core the essence of the things were were around back then even then so tell me about growing up in atlanta around about that time 91 92 i say growing up by 91 92 you're you know you're you're not a little kid anymore but you're a you're a nerd at that point or are you a guy who is into sports and academia and nerd stuff and just everything are you an oh, all-around guy no, I was a nerd. Now, look, I mean, <laughs> I, I did I did play some sports growing up, yeah. uh, but I wasn't, like, heavy into them. And once, you know, you kind of get to high school, you you know, we do, you kind of get kind of shuffled off into one group or another, and I was firmly in that, that uh, geek camp. Yeah. Uh, but I could cross, you know, over. Into, I would still get invited to parties every now and then. <laughs> uh, it's nice. But strong into it. But Atlanta is is always been a great place. And and it, it's just gotten better and better with culture for like food, but it's always been great for music and concerts and, right. you know, all kind of little hole in the wall concert, concert venues. Spent a lot of my early years, you know, going to see shows, uh, conventions, like uh, things like Dragon Con were just starting to, to give to be born back then. And, you know, it's been a wave building since then i mean for me it's 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 been a journey of course things you can actually talk about things now like when i say i'm uh leaving for a weekend to go to a tournament i get to actually say that instead oh i'm going camping or something this weekend (laughs) yeah 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 it's actually i've had (laughs) this conversation with uh with other people as well about the the journey that us nerds have gone on from you know i'm even slightly older than you and just having the when you're in the 80s and people are talking about dungeons and dragons and uh 
in those days, kids who could do computer programming were were really on the outer. That was seen as a really strange thing to do, to be able to use a computer. And then you you slowly, this has developed. And now nowadays, we can be proud to be nerds. Like, lots of folks are nerds. Cool folks are so nerds. In, in full-on pop culture now, and yeah. I, I really love it. Uh, and so I grew up with reading, you know, reading lots of books, of course, things like, like Tolkien and, and Dragonlance and, and those books. And I mean, ton, tons of books, really anything, anything fantasy. Uh, and then it's kind of, I do like sci-fi, big Star Wars fan. Uh, but it was kind of weird that I was drawn more towards the Warhammer 40,000 side than the fantasy battle side. Now I played both. I played both over the years and, and loved both. And, but it just kind of, like something about 40k it's just get you get you hooked it really does yeah i can i can vouch for that so uh it, it also seems like you know you get into the you've gotten into the game 91 92 you're you're a nerd you're kind of getting more and more into it it feels like you got into the competitive side of the hobby reasonably early on too uh i've seen some some quite early photos of paul murphy doing well at tournaments when did you get started in that whole side of it so around i guess sh- shortly before third edition came out i started i started playing competitively and i went you know at local shops i really didn't have the means to to get out and to travel to places like i can now or or either i didn't you know i didn't know a lot of people in the scene back then you know now it's a little bit easier for me anyway you know you know people you split rooms you could you know road trip it you know with yeah. a group of folks and and you know didn't really know people that were as is into it back then as maybe i i was and so i i didn't really have the means to get out it wasn't until I, I want to say 2004 or so, right as Fourth Edition was coming out. Yeah, there was a large a grand tournament, a Games Workshop grand tournament held in Atlanta, and I was just knocking on the door, winning the whole thing, you know. And and I thought these are I'm at that point in time I like you know I think I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, because you know, it's one thing to be kind of like the big fish in a in a in a local pond or win a lot of tournaments or I shouldn't say win. I actually have always benefited by having people that have been really good at the game around me. So not winning everything all the time, but being being challenged, having competition and and stuff. And but it really felt like around that period of time, I was kind of breaking through a threshold. And then when I saw people from surrounding areas come and match up really well against them, I was like, you know, I think. I could do this. Yeah. And it just kind of coincided. The next available one was the uh, grand tournament in Baltimore a few months later. And some people that I knew were going up. Somebody that we knew was using hotel points, which, you know, I had no idea the concept of that at the time uh, to, to get a get a room. We were renting a 15 person van and people are going to, you know, jump in and chip in. And and so it basically made it really like attainable and affordable. And I went and I think it was 2005, uh, Baltimore. That was the first grand tournament I won. Wow. That must have been an amazing feeling because you're, you know, you're out on the road with these people and people you're starting to know and you're getting more and more into the scene and then you go to a grand tournament and you actually win it. That's got to be so cool. Re- well, remember, I mean, really, it's one of the things that will stick with you. You know, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's yeah. it's it's one of those to where uh, – you know, a big group of us went up. I you know, mentioned the, the big van, but a big group of us went up. And we're playing people from all over the country, and especially in a, a different region of the country we've ever – I'd never been up to that section before. Right. Uh, and so didn't know folks. And then getting through – going through the games, I remember, you know, it's one of these, these things that stick with you. And I, we're playing – 
the next day I knew who I was going to face was a, a guy playing like trip Falcons, real difficult list to, to beat back then. And, and then really I just kind of isolated, uh, uh, you know, what's your plan? Well, I'm just going to try to go first, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. but anyway, I, I, I was, got fortunate and had some luck, got there, uh, get my, one of my buddies that went with me played in the, in the fourth round, played the guy in the fourth round and I'm losing to him that I played in the fifth round. So you're uh, able to going up with buddies and this is, we'll get to teams events later on, but even if you're traveling to individual events with, with friends, it's nice to be able to maybe exchange a bit of intel and 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 just also have that experience with them, right? That must have added to the whole flavor of it for you. Oh, if only he knew enough about the game to give me the intel. <laughs> I'm, just, right. I'm kidding. He's a, he's a great dude, but uh, um, but um, I just we kind of you know kind of thought that if how would it that would have been a long car ride home had I played my buddy in the last round oh, and still yeah. won. And still be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the in the when they were announcing the award ceremonies, what like there was, turns out you know, you know as at tournaments to talk a little bit about the culture of tournaments. You know, as you start to progress through the ranks and people people start to realize who's who's three and zero, who's four and zero, what are the list we're going to be facing. You actually do kind of commune and start to talk to each other. And this is the first time that I'd met some of these people on this this type of multi-state stage kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And nobody knows who I am. I don't know who they are. And it's kind of funny is that, you know, only you, most people are actually just, you know, wanting to, to, to commune, collaborate and, and talk and, and discuss things. And, but then some people you see, they're just getting their, their eye. They're trying to scope you out. Does he know what he's doing or not? Kind of thing. Right. Uh, and, and at the, at the end, you know, in a five round tournament, when there's 200 players or whatever, you know, there's, there's multiple things to contribute to, who comes out on top. So it was still a lot of things in the balance. And, uh, when they, and they called my name as, as, as number one, uh, I remember looking at who I thought was going to, you know, could have been a coin flip between me and this other guy. And he gave me the, gave me the salute, you know, the cheers. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. And it's still running to that guy, uh, today, you know, and it's cool to be able to, you know, you meet these people, you share these moments with them. And now this has been going on for a long time. You know, you build up friendships with people that some of your best friends, you see two or three times a year traveling to these things. So if anybody's listening and has not done this, I really encourage them to get out when and if they can. It's cool. And uh, look, there's, it's even cool for me from the point of view of someone who invariably ends up mid-table at tournaments. It's cool to see the same faces. And as you say, you, you get to know people and you become good mates with or good friends with, uh, you know, these people that you see at different tournaments around the country. It's it's uh, it's good fun, even if you're not a Paul Murphy and winning the tournament. Um, Going on a tear and winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need good dice too, right? You know, so you need, well, you need solid luck. <laughs> uh, um, so at this stage, you into the Blood Angels, winning tournaments with Blood Angels? Yeah, or that you... was actually that was it. So uh, yeah, played Blood Angels, uh, started them. I mean, look, I'm a bit of a, a filthy meta chaser at times. Uh, but when I, when everything lines up and, or if it's, it's basically like a, you know, one degree off or whatever, I'm going to default to want to play blood angels and take them and make them, make them win if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Let's go across to teams events then, because, uh, 2011 Adepticon team champs with the most interesting team name. I think this is right. I'm a bear. Put your head in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This comes from an old TV show that was on like, uh, off-brand, off-brand, off-brand cable or, or whatever. There's this skit uh, called Viral Video of Film School where they talk about bears and it's hilarious. And I thought, well, it'd be it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the name from a from a show that uh, probably not very many people had seen at that point. Um, 
No, no it doesn't exist anymore either. Your teams, ex- <laughs> tell, talk me through your teams' experience then, because you you got into teams, you ended up as as captain of a couple of teams, and went on to win some. Well, we mentioned already Adepticon, the American team champs. You've had great success in teams events. Yeah, I do consider Adepticon the team tournament kind of like one of the crown jewels of of things. It's it's a very difficult event to win because there's so many components. It's not just a battle type component. You've got to have hobby. You've got to have a little bit of lore. You got to have a little bit of display. You got to have I mean, team events, sometimes the most challenging thing about a team event is just showing up with all your team members right. to the day of. It can be uh, an interesting experience, but I love team events. You know, we talk about, you know, going with uh, friends, comrades, you know, brothers to these th- these things. And it's a totally different thing when you're going and being as part of a team. I mean, there's there's different types of team styles. Adepticon is one where you're it's four people, but you're playing two on each table. Okay. So you have this this um, this you have a little bit of back and forth with your opponent. You're you're making decisions together. Uh, you know, living and dying by your by your decisions as as a unit. And the ATC we'll talk about in a second is your it's five people playing individual games that all that all contribute to a an aggregate team score. And there's different roles to play in that environment. It's kind of it's an it's, it's interesting thing. Yeah. But uh, I've always loved the team environment. Well, since getting hooked with Adepticon, I remember hearing about it. I mean, you know, back in the day before when the internet was young, Steve, <laughs> when the internet was young. Yeah. And it wasn't everything. You didn't know exactly where to go, which message boards to comb and that kind of stuff to find. <laughs> message things. boards. That's right. Yeah. Loading and, and a picture people, would take half an hour and you had that awful sound, almost like a fax machine sound. When you were di- you had to get dial up. Anyway, that's a whole nother. Did you, you had to, you had to wrangle a Necron to get attached? <laughs> yeah, to that's units. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in those uh, days, yeah. Yeah. So we, I remember hearing just about this the, almost like mythical tale of what when you know what Adepticon's structure was for their team tournament, and we had to do it. There was eight to twelve of us that went up and broke in into to four man teams, and and then just kind of. You know, seeing that spirit of everyone coming together and doing these things and and what it went into actually getting there before you even started rolling the dice. It's a challenge within a challenge. And I, I like it a lot. I like team events. I like being part of something where you can kind of contribute to something and, and truly kind of be greater than the sum of its parts. And look, not everybody's going to win. Like, I, you know, in the I mentioned that the Adepticon team tournament is hard to win. I've played every year since I've started going and you don't win every time. Right. Most people don't. It's not necessarily about the win. With the team tournaments, about the whole thing, planning it out, figuring it out, uh, collaborating on the on the army list, uh, coming together and and unifying the models. You know, having having tasks and basically managing it like a project type thing. Yeah. Again, uh, talking from a, with a common goal. From the point of view of a player who's, as I say, mid table, it's actually a great opportunity to learn. If I get to go to a tournament with guys in my team who are ranked higher or just better players or have more experience against certain armies, say, you can you can really pick people's brains as part of your team and learn. And as you say, you go through the other teams' lists and you kind of discuss and learn a little about them. It's 
It's a great collaborative experience, although I will tell you that the last team tournament I went to, we had to travel to another city. I was in charge of managing the team, and we missed the plane, so that was not great. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> One of the hardest things is actually getting to the first round rolling dice. Yeah. Uh, you've seen it. You've lived the example. <laughs> so let's talk about the American team champs, and you've won that twice as part of team. So this is a different group of guys from, from the ones that went to Adepticon, or you took some across, or how did that work? It is. Well, yeah, there's is, is some similar team members on both but there's uh the, you know, the uh it's a mixed up a bit uh from team to team and even my current team now i'm, I'm a part of a gaming club called the wrong way kids and, and we've been doing really well to depticon the last opportunities we were able to go right. uh, we actually won best sport tw- two years in a row great so with with the team tournaments they're all i uh, talk about trying to crack the the puzzle and figuring it out there's there's army list like it's not comp, it's not composition, right? You're not, not but they they all have a different format. And you have to learn how to work within that format. Right. And I think that's part of the challenge. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. and the HC is is very similar because I mentioned that you you have there one. There's a bit of a format. You can't duplicate factions across the arm the every every player. And then with the way that tables and opponents are chosen, how they match up, there's a little bit of a of an attacker and defender type mentality in that so you kind of got to get get your head wrapped around that and i find that that challenge is fun uh, right. i like trying to figure that out and and guessing right like putting out which which list do i put out that let them match up against that where they don't have a good matchup or, or even we make we we're trying to make them think it's a good matchup for them but it's really not and then we're going to get this table that's going to be best for us and terrible for them right and you know it's fun. It's it is fun. It's a, like there's a whole game within a game that matchups and tables. It is. It's so cool. Um, and then you do it. You're doing it with buddies, right? So you, then at the at the after it's all over, you can you know hit hit the pub or a restaurant and just kind of decompress and you yeah know, figure out where it all went wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, now, uh, can you tell me there's a connection in there to Bell of Lost Souls as well? All the all the different research and the bits that I did about your your playing very often end up back at Bell of Lost Souls. So what's the connection there? Well, uh, Bell of Lost Souls is my primary sponsor for my podcast. Uh, been with me since day one, uh, and at the time of putting together one of these teams, you know, it's they didn't have a lot of player enough players to fill a team, and our gaming club was kind of uh, large at the time, and so he's like, "Well, just come on in with us. Uh, we'll we'll mix you in with our folks. Uh, we'll kind of sw- uh, switch our name around a bit to to." Um, and compensate y- y'all, and then yeah. let's see what we can do. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and yeah, but no. So no, Bulls has always been uh, very supportive of the stuff, and uh, and let me write for them every now and then. You know, back in the back in the day, and uh, pretty cool. So you've mentioned the podcast. I think it's probably time we got to the podcast. This is where most people these days will know you from. Forge the narrative. Uh, when did that enter the into the uh, situation for you? So you you've started playing. At what point do you go? You know what? I think I could do a podcast about this game. Yes. So with, um, I forget exactly which edition we started. It might've been at the end of sixth because we've been doing this. Or I've been doing this now. It's, it's kind of a, a bit of a, of, of a revolving cast. And I love the cast that, that are on the show right now. Yeah. If anybody has not been, is not familiar with the show, please, I'll do a little self-promotion. Please, please do go uh, ahead. <laughs> please, please check them out anywhere you find podcast forge the narrative also on YouTube. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at warmaster underscore tpm or i'm fights with dice on instagram but the 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 folks that have doing the podcast with me now are just brilliant like have so much to talk about this game scholars of the game uh at different types of skill levels 
yeah in the in the game and so they get to relay their experiences at all different you know like areas of of the game i'm mostly talking about it's mostly centered around warhammer 40,000 uh but i love it so how it started how the podcast in in general started was like hey we sit around and talk about warhammer all day we might as well record it and maybe somebody will listen to it. <laughs> it's just that simple, right? <laughs> right. You you just go let's let's record it, and then you uh, and then you you stick it out into the interweb, and obviously enough people did listen to it, or maybe you just decided you enjoyed doing it, and you keep on going. Yeah, a little bit of both, I guess, right? Uh, but so with the the our style of approaching it, uh, try to keep very conversational style, but we also want people to get the most out of the game that they want to play so we we spend a lot of time not just talking about what the you know what the white hot bleeding edge meta is but we also talk about like how how can people play and and maybe increase their win percentage or just sometimes win or do as well as they want with whatever they want to play yeah uh and then over the years you know i've kind of also been the we, we talk about how to exist in whatever the the tournament meta is so sometimes how to beat it how to win against it what what maybe maybe if you're not considering these things what might be good like honestly when i invented or, or architected the super friends list yeah um people were all the time telling me space marines can't work that this list is is crazy it's never going to work and i'm like well it turns out mathematically it actually kills uh taldar so if if that's running rampant in your scene maybe let me explain how it works yeah and, yeah but that's just one example of 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 getting uh, of kind of look examining the things and and trying to figure out ways to uh play whatever you want to play in whatever the environment is that's one of the hallmarks of the show i feel like one of the uh so one of the hallmarks of the show from your point of view what you're trying to get send out to the world is that uh, as a listener to your show over the last couple of years i feel like one of the real hallmarks of it and and probably since the beginning it's just the the accessibility, the nice guy. Like you're a nice guy. You're a, a reasonable, well thought out person. You know, you you're not relying on the gimmick of being extreme at one end or the other to get people in. You're a nice person, and you have, as you say, that conversational style that includes people, that brings people in rather than shutting them out. Which I think is when I think of your show, that's what I think of. That that kind of. Uh, just the genuine niceness of it. And you've got other lovely people involved and that's kind of what stands out to me. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really just love talking about Warhammer. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. where, where yeah. it's it stems from. But, you know, I, as someone, like, I'm, I'm not a great painter. And I, I shouldn't say that. I'm proud of what I do. And people sometimes like what I do and I get some, you know, some thumbs up and encouragement. And I love that. But I've learned it through you know, watching tutorials, explaining it and, and had a journey along the way. And, and I talk about that on the show, talk about hobby stuff. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to be a great painter, but you can learn a few things along the way. Right. Uh, I know that there's this game depending on like, I, I basically live in it. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I spent a lot of time, uh, in, in the thinking about Warhammer, talking about Warhammer. And so I'm, I'm kind of exposed to it, but not everybody else is. And I, and I try to think about be you know, courteous of what their time is and maybe what, how deep they want to, uh, spend, how much time they want to spend. And I try to kind of jumpstart some of that. And I, and I think about, I think about it in that the topics that we cover on the show, I try to think about it in that way about how can I make this digestible and accessible to folks that, um, you know, may not get, get have to, to carry around the Space Marine Codex in their back pocket all day. <laughs> right. 
Uh, it's. I know that the people hate this question. I always hate this question when it's asked of me. But I'm interested to know. You've also interviewed, you know, some amazing people, and you've had some amazing moments on the show over the years that you've been doing it. Are there any that stand out to you? Any any people you've spoken to, or any celebrities you've met in the hobby, or anything like that for the show that you go, you know what, that was a high a highlight for me. The the show uh, has provided me with some opportunities to talk to some people that I never thought. I would talk to, uh, and and that's that's the truth. And and sitting down with the with the authors, yeah. And I do a little bit of a pre-show routine. You know, I don't know if this is per- <laughs> like what other people do or not, but uh, you know, I, I I ask them, you know, what what would you like us to talk about? Is there anything you'd not like us to talk about? And 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 I will say this: basically, no one has come out and said, "Don't ask me about this or don't ask me about that." They're they're most of them are very open to talk about whatever you know you want you want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but I let them know, respect whatever it is, you know, because sometimes they can't talk about stuff for either because of it's the book's about to come out or whatever. Now, I don't ask a lot of spoilery questions because I know they can't. But sure. and it seems to to really get some great results for the listeners, and. And so some of the authors that we get to talk to, you really, you know, just kind of set the set the stage and and they do all the work. You know, that's that's really the cool things. They just they just basically bring it. And it's such a cool experience. It is interesting that uh, in the in the broadcasting game, authors are very often seen as people who are a bit reticent, a bit hard to get talking. But you have this ability to get them talking, and then once they start, boy, they are—they're fantastic. Like getting that background to how a book is written and the story and the and the research. I was listening to one of the interviews recently. The amount of research that has gone into uh, books about guard, for example, it just uh, man, it's amazing. So, uh, authors are great to interview, players are great to interview, and you went from there to shoutcasting. How did that transition happen? That you. You know, you're putting out this podcast each day, and it obviously it's gaining some traction. And then the next thing you know, you're hanging out with Val Kilmer and the Falcon and whoever at uh, <laughs> at LVOs and doing shoutcasting. Well, so I, I do play the game. Yeah. I just don't talk about the game, so I can kind of see some of what's happening on the table. I spend a lot of time again, kind of steeped in this. So I've got this. Yeah, you know, I try to to create this kind of like mental rolodex of of cool stuff, and and then I try to communicate it, and that's. I think that's what got it going is that I, I have done tournament commentary in the past. Uh, I've got enthusiasm about the hobby. Not that we all don't have that. And, and if anybody's listening here, I'm sure they have the same enthusiasm. Sure. But what I try to do is translate that to the camera and to the folks listening. And and again, I, I know I mentioned this before, but I just love talking about Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. What what was the process though? Was there someone that you know tapped you on the shoulder, or just was there a fan of your show that happened to be in that space and said, "Hey, come across and try this"? Or were you at a tournament one day and you just had the opportunity to kind of move to another table and start talking about the game? How did the process go for you of getting into that space? Yeah, I mean, I've actually so when uh, when Games Workshop started coming to these larger events over here in the states, uh, I've had the opportunity to jump on the stream. Right, and either when somebody needed a break or they were had some other like non-broadcast thing to go to, I was uh, like, "Hey, uh, you like to talk about Warhammer?" And actually, I got to do it on at the launch of Eighth Edition from Warhammer World. Right, yeah, that's right. You did. So you're and, at, you're at the launch of Eighth Edition at Warhammer World, which is cool in itself. And... Completely by coincidence, as well. <laughs> wow. And then what do you know? You like this is this is. I, I often joke. We have this. Um, uh, our national sport is rugby, 
and uh, we have this team, our national team is known as the All Blacks because they wear all black clothing when they play. And I often joke that I, the reason I wear my All Blacks shirt to the games, the, my supporters shirt to the games, is in case they completely run out of players, they'll point at me in the crowd and say, hey, you, come on down. That's kind of what that's kind of what happened to you. You were at Warhammer World and they pointed and said, hey, Paul, come and, come and be in this thing with us. Yeah, so I've been podcasting before. Uh, so done some stuff in, you know, in the past. Of course, I was a podcaster at the time. And sure. when they were doing a 24-hour live stream and asked if – if now it wasn't just me. There were lots of other uh, per, you know, YouTube or podcast personalities over the course of the day. But where I came up in rotation was in like the, the 20th hour, you know, <laughs> the 17th hour or whatever. Sure. And so I think folks you know, kind of – maybe wanted a break and they let me they, they let me play a game so i played a game with with my blood angels uh, on stream which was really cool yeah and then like hey would you mind sitting down for a game and um you know doing a little commentary and i was like you know what i would not mind at all as a matter of fact i would absolutely love it and yeah. thank you for the opportunity and i guess the rest is history it isn't isn't it amazing when you just say yes to a thing when you say yes to a question rather than no how often that leads into a into a, an opportunity that you wouldn't have otherwise had I love that yeah just to be there almost by accident you know it's like it's great <laughs> so cool when you were now I, I should have asked this earlier chronologically speaking but I'm interested to know now when you were doing your podcasting when you're first getting into it uh, were there other podcasts around podcasters that you admired people you look up to and went hey I like that what that person's doing let me try that. Yeah, I actually think that the FTN is like the third generation of Warhammer 40k podcast. Okay. Uh, I, so, and I say that because I thought we were probably second generation, but I've I've learned since then. You know, there's like there was there's a ton. There's been a, a bunch of podcasts, and and there were a few podcasts like the Independent Characters and the Eleventh Company and and things like that that also had a conversational style. Yeah. And they and the Eleventh Company and because I was number one player. And at least in the United States, on the rankings for a little while, I would get asked to come on a bunch of shows, and I'm like, "Well, I mean, yeah, I could probably do this." Yeah, <laughs> that was another thing. I was like, "I mean, so it's it's cool. I enjoy. I seem to, you know, I, I did enjoy talking about it. People seem to kind of appreciate hearing it. So let's uh, let's see if we can get something going." Yeah, nice. Hearing those styles and seeing seeing those those the, those gentlemen, those teams, uh, put together week on week, you know, just great content was was an example and I did a lot of research so it wasn't so much that there were a lot of amazing examples of of really well produced Warhammer 40,000 content a decade ago you know it's it's really come a long way but I did a lot of research on what turns people off and then what do people seem to like scientifically want to listen to like what's yeah. the average commute time you know coming to and from work um, it turns out uh, good audio goes a long way, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, right. that's right. Just stuff like that. So, uh, and then used and then didn't let that override things, right? But just at least have that in the back of my mind. And then, can we do it? And then trying to execute on it. You you mentioned the phrase. You said the phrase there, week on week, and it's interesting. You you produce a podcast every week for however many years. Does that sometimes get? challenging in terms of not just finding content but finding time and finding motivation to just keep on going there must be weeks where you go man i don't want to do it but but you got to keep it coming out so we're on episode 399 as of this week wow and that doesn't count like bonus episodes because for uh, you know I, I don't know if this mattered or not but over the years if i ever 
wanted to talk about just something kind of the non 40k related that I just wanted to talk about. Like I've talked to, uh, you know, a couple independent rappers and voice actors and that kind of stuff. I would, um, yeah. I would release a bonus episode because I didn't want to, uh, disrupt anyone's like listening patterns or whatever. So that's why I have some bonus episodes and I've got core episodes. I've stuck the last couple of years. I've stuck mostly to just the core episodes. Uh, but as I mentioned, I don't stop talking about Warhammer. <laughs> you have mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's but never, will, it's never an issue for you to find the motivation to go uh, some weeks. Oh, well, I mean, this. not to, you know, not to pump up the show too much, but I love talking to the folks that are on the show. Mm. I mean, so in the weeks that, in the weeks that maybe I'm struggling or, or work has gotten in the way of, of maybe me devoting as much time to my hobby as, as I wanted, they, I mean, they bring the thunder. Right. Yeah. I That's mean, a great thing having gates, a good team. Yeah. Tanya Gates, Red Powell, Adam Camilleri. I mean, they've, they, they equally as enthusiastic and, and a pleasure to talk to. And so, and I edit the show. I've actually put together the show before, you know, it, it is an edited show. Not that I edit much. I basically clean up that stuff that, that, that nobody likes or whatever <laughs> no, yeah. to, to make it pleasing to listen to, sure. or at least uh, as pleasing as we can get it you know, with, with our content. Uh, but sometimes, you know, finding the motivation is like, Oh cool. You know what? I get to listen to some of my best buds talk about this game yeah. one more time. And it, it all, it all helps get it, get it out. And when you're not talking about Warhammer, which I know you enjoy doing, but when you, when you, are there moments when you get away from Warhammer? What do you do when you're not Warhammering? Talking about it, playing it, painting it. There must be uh, there must be uh, some hobbies or other things you do in your downtime. Eating donuts, there's I know, nothing, is one of those. There's things. nothing nothing but Warhammer. No, <laughs> no <laughs> I've, I've, I've got uh, I've got two sons. Uh, I enjoy spending time with them. Yeah. Uh, I got a lovely wife. Love. I mean, let me let me also give a shout out to my wife who is supportive of this. I mean, think about it. Is it I travel? More than probably what it would be an average amount of weekends to travel to play a game or talk about a game. Yeah. Um, I do my recording in the evening after the family go, has gone to bed. So I've tried to make it as uh, not disruptive to their routines or their lives or our routine at all. But, you know, when I do these live casts and stuff on the weekends, like just this past weekend or this weekend, I did the Nova Open Charitable Foundation live stream to close out their summer raffles. And so that's you know, a morning or so dedicated to them. So sure. my wife is incredibly supportive of this and I respect it, uh, and love it and try to make it worth it for, you know, best I can Same with, same with the kids as well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, I do like donuts. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> talking about, so on my, on my personal Facebook page, I do some donut reviews. Uh, I've done over the last, I guess, year or so. <laughs> they're donut and burgers. I don't know. Hamburgers. I don't, I honestly don't know what it is about those things, but they're so fun to watch. It's just like it's guiding a donut. I don't know what the appeal is, but it's it's fun. It's cool. Well, there's so much noise out there. So like especially on people's social media feeds, and that's I mentioned Twitter and Instagram. Like I, I just only post hobby stuff there, my work in progress. And I actually try to post different stuff to both Instagram and and Twitter. So it's a different thing. You know, if you happen to do both, you're not getting just the same picture. Uh, every every time or whatever, right, yeah. uh, but there's all this noise out there, and especially on social media. I thought, you know, uh, wouldn't it be cool, you know, just some a little bit of a distraction from somebody's day to eat this funny donut? Or me and the the boys have been traveling around, and and, and Atlanta, as I told you, is great for food, and so we've been hitting up the best burger joints uh, this past summer and doing some burger reviews and those have been fun to do. I feel like during COVID it's just what just what people wanted was just some something other than 
news about COVID-19. Just having something so much fun, out there. some distraction, I'll, as you say. I love comic books. I love board games. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm told you I'm deep in the nerd stuff. Um, now, I, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I feel like we're already encroaching enough into your evening <laughs> on a Sunday. But, I'm a talker. I apologize, Steve. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And there are people love it, which is why you're doing so well at it. Listen, there are a couple of, couple of other quick things. While I've got you, I'd love to know, like behind the scenes, uh, when you're commentating a game, can you give us a little tidbit of what goes on behind the scenes? Can you, can you hear what players are saying to each other? Can you, uh, you know, how does it all work technically behind the scenes? And it might be different for every setup, but it, we've we've got a bit of a, a routine down now. No, we cannot hear the game, so we're we're situated to where the the, the players can't hear us and we can't hear the players. Uh, I would hate to be influencing, you know, accidentally influencing a game, right? By by saying one thing or another, uh, but we we do get information relayed to us from the table by someone that is is very really close by. And they're doing so silently uh, to us. And so we get a little bit of insight, uh, but it, uh, a lot of it is, is just uh, picking apart what's on the screen and then, and then kind of talking about maybe what, what we would do uh, and, and seeing if it plays out with, with the players. But most of that info, that real-time info, and sometimes we like the, what we call them our table bosses have been so amazing to where we actually get, they'll relay comments from the players. You know, So we get to not only just theorize about what's going on to their minds at the time we actually get to hear it firsthand and then try to bring some of that uh to the broadcast and it's great but no this it it is absolutely a team sport and without without everyone giving 100 percent, and that's a and that's that's a trite thing to say right but let me let me go one step further than that without everyone there doing their best to try to make the best production possible it doesn't happen and they just did an amazing job in Orlando and the other things we've been involved in and, uh, you know, pr- proud to be a part of that, that team and that experience. Just watching it as an outsider, it seemed like Orlando was kind of another step up. Can you see a time, uh, in the, in the next couple, three, five, ten years, whatever it might be, where we're seeing, uh, you know, even adv- advertisements uh, included in and then the dice roll beforehand kind of, you know, like a proper sports match, like a big sports event, and you guys are commentating, but we also get audio from referees at the table and all of this sort of stuff. It is going to happen. We are going to, with each one of these, we're going to get a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable, uh, and then take advantage of all the technology that is available. Yeah. And and you know, I I can at least speak for myself and know that I'm 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 very anxious to get that going as, as quick as we can adapt it and it's just going to get better and better. So, I mean, folks, if you haven't check out the, the coverage from Orlando, um, had, had a great time doing it. Check out our coverage, you know, that, that was a part of with the, with the Las Vegas Nopen and then the 2020, if you can imagine like 20, we actually had in January, 2020, there was a big tournament. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, uh, but it's just going to be, you know, building on strength, on strength, on strength. I, I, I fully believe that. And it's, it's going to be cool. going to be better. It's going to be, I think, um, an entertaining way for people to engage with this competitive side of the hobby that we are, I don't want to say we're just at the tip of the iceberg because there's certainly been a lot of work that's gone into it, but it's, it's a momentum thing and we're, we're moving faster and faster. And I couldn't think of anyone better to be at the helm. Uh, congratulations on 400. I know it hasn't quite happened yet, but you know, we don't want to count chickens, but congratulations on it, mate. It's, it's a remarkable achievement in an age where podcasts come and go and there are so many of them around that don't quite hit the mark. You, you've done an extraordinary job. 
And as a radio professional, I think I reached out to you quite early on when I discovered your podcast and said, listen, you, you're doing an amazing job. Even from a professional point of view, listening into this, you, you do great work. So keep it up. I'm looking forward to the next 400 episodes. Uh, thank you, Steve. That means a lot. And thank you for having me on and uh, taking the time with me. I, I'm absurd. I've, really, I've really appreciated it. It's been a great talk. My thanks to Paul Murphy and congrats on episode 400 of Forge the Narrative, which dropped over the weekend. That's a huge achievement. Check out the podcast at all the usual places you can listen to podcasts and all of Paul's social media links are in the show notes for this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen as well. So thanks for that. All of the interviews in the series are at 40kgamechangers.com. I'd love you to check that out. Maybe go to Facebook, give us a like, give us a review. Again, that would go a long way towards helping us out. So we'll see you next time. Till then, I'm Steve Joel. This has been 40K Game Changers.